First Baptist Church in Dallas. My aunt was a member there in the 1960s, 70s, 80s. And when I was a child and we'd go to visit my grandparents and my aunt, we'd go to church with her. And that song was the song that was always used when the choir would enter to start the service. And then W.A. Criswell would come in in his white suit and his white shoes. And it was just like Moses himself coming on stage while they sang that song. And they sang that song at his funeral. When, uh, his, when he passed away, they sang that song. And his family came in to On Jordan's Stormy Banks. I stand. So I always loved to hear that song. Thank you for singing it with me. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, and we're going to turn to Psalm 119 as we continue moving through this longest chapter in the Bible. And we're looking at verses 41 to 48 tonight, living a strong testimony. Each person has a testimony. If you're a person of faith, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have a testimony. It's not a matter of whether you have one or not. You do. Because God has done a work in your life. He has forgiven you. He has saved you. And you have then become a witness to the power of God. And that is one of the great things that we should never forget. That uh, in the face of someone who doesn't believe or someone who is a skeptic, uh, you can always share what Jesus has done in your life. You become a first-person witness, not a hearsay witness, but a first-person witness of what Christ has done for you. And they may say whatever they're going to say about the Bible or about God, but there you stand There I stand, we stand as witnesses to what Christ has done in our lives, what he's done for us. And that is a powerful, powerful evidence of not only the existence of God, but the power of God. And so don't ever underestimate your own personal testimony. And the psalmist here is is talking in these verses about wanting to have a strong and vibrant testimony for the Lord, and it's all connected to his belief in the Word of God. And he's asking God as a prayer to help him to live out his faith. Let me read Psalm 119, verses 41 to 48. It says, Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust. In your word and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth for I have hoped in your ordinances so shall I keep your law continually forever and ever and I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed and I will delight myself in your commandments which I love my hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, I, and I will meditate on your statutes. The pressure to maintain a strong and vibrant testimony led this young psalmist to utter this prayer, as it were, 
for God's strength and God's help, that he might bear forth the truth of the word of God in testimony, that he might give the testimony of God's word and as it was lived out in his own life. Really, the world needs to hear what we have to say. Now, they may not want to hear it, but we as Christians need to continue to give testimony to the power of God in our lives and to the truth of God's word. If we don't do it, who's going to? God wants us as his people to be faithful, to live out a strong testimony. And really that's how people come to know Christ, isn't it? They have to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as we share the truth of what Christ has done for us based on his word that we believed when the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We believe the Bible when it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We've embraced that. We've accepted that. We've staked our, lives, our life on that. So we need to share that with people so that others will at least be confronted with that truth. Now, they may reject it, but at least they will have heard that there's somebody who believes the truth of God's word. And he starts with salvation here, doesn't he? Teach me, O Lord, he says in verse 41, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. Never forget what God has done for you. That's really the basis of our testimony, isn't it? That we know what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And we've embraced him and he has changed us. He's made us a new person. Salvation is always a work of God's loving kindness. If it wasn't for God's loving kindness, there would be no hope for us. But he loved us so much that he came for us. And so the psalmist is asking, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord. He knew about the mercy of God. He's just reminding himself of it. And that salvation is the basis of our testimony. That God in his love has given us his grace. Your salvation according to your word. Salvation is always in response to faith. When we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. When we believe on him. And that's what it means uh, to believe on him. Is to put our trust in him. To put our full faith in him. That he will do what he has said that he will do and that what he did on the cross was enough and so uh, it's so important that our testimony not be about who we are but about who God is he's the one who has saved us we haven't saved ourselves and sadly there are people who claim the name of Christ and if they give a testimony it's more about all the things they've done for God than it is about what God has done for them People ought to walk away from our testimony of faith saying not, oh, what a wonderful Christian. They ought to say, oh, what a wonderful God. And uh, that's what should always be our aim. Kind of like what we talked about this morning. 
is that uh, as Christians, it's the glory of God that should be our primary aim, that he gets all the glory. And as a Christian, that certainly should be the case because we haven't arrived, have we? Even as Christians, we haven't arrived. We have only been changed by the power of God's grace. We're sinners saved by his grace. And others can become the same. They can be saved by his grace. And so never forget what God has done for you. And as the basis of our testimony, we can always talk about what God has done to change us. What was our life like before we became a Christian? You can take a piece of paper and write that down. Perhaps there was a great, ma- a great amount of fear in your life. Emptiness. Hopelessness. You have to fill in those blanks. It's generally some of the same things. But then since Christ came into your life, what difference has he made? What has he done for you? You know he has saved you, forgiven you of your sin based on the word of God. But you can also talk about what that has meant to you. Has it brought you peace? Has it given you hope? Has it given you assurance in the face of all the things that life brings your way? You see, he has done so much for us. We ought to be able to tell somebody that because then he can do that for them too. And so let your mercies come also to me, O Lord. He was recognizing the mercy and grace of God, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me. You see, your your testimony lived out in your life is the answer to those who reproach you or who reproach the name of God. Uh, Arguing with people will usually not make a difference. But you just quietly, faithfully go about living your testimony of faith. Sharing words when you can, when the opportunity is there, but when they see Christ living in you and me. That's the most powerful testimony of all. And it opens the door then to be able to speak and to be able to, with words, talk about this is the difference that Christ has made in my life. We should renew our obedience to God's word. To have, a, to have an effective, strong, vibrant testimony. We not only have to be saved and remember what God has done for us. The difference he's made. But we have to have a commitment to obedience to the word of God. A testimony in yours or mine is not going to be very effective if we say with our mouths we're Christians but then our obedience to God is not there. People are going to look at that and they know when something is not right, when it's hypocritical. People see that. And so the psalmist here is saying, if you look in verse 44, so shall I keep your law continually. I shall keep your law continually. Faithfulness to the truth of God's word forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts the word at liberty comes from a hebrew word meaning at a wide place i walk at a wide place there is freedom in knowing who you belong to and that you are living for him 
and that what you're doing with your life is what he wants you to do. Being obedient. Some people think of obedience as being constricting. Really, it's the most free place we can be when we have given ourselves completely to God and we want his will to be done. There is a liberating thing to that in your life and mine when we embrace obedience. Verse 46, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. We, we, have, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Didn't Paul say that just straight out? For I am not, ash- I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. And so uh, we should never be ashamed to give our testimony, to live our testimony, to speak it for what Christ has done for us and what he can do for other people. Our obedience to his word should be something that is ongoing. We should strive that Christ would have his way in our lives as we walk with him. And that freedom that it brings is freedom to serve, to serve him and Of course, he would have us to serve others. Jesus came as a servant, didn't he? He didn't didn't come to be exalted. He is exalted as the King of kings and Lord of lords, but he came and lived a humble life. He came as a servant, the servant of all, to serve you, to serve me. And when he went to the cross, what did he have? What did he have by way of this world? Didn't have anything, really, did he? The clothes on his back. They gambled for the little clothing that he had. And so we need to remember when we start to think of what life is all about and what we should be focused upon, remember the example that Jesus gave us. He came to serve. Ultimately, he came to serve to the extent he gave his very life for us. And he had nothing of this world. But he had everything because he came to bring us everything, to give us life everlasting. And so our obedience brings freedom to serve, to serve him and to serve others. And it will enrich your testimony. It adds weight to it. It's not just words, but people can see the weight of your life. You really believe what you're saying. Otherwise, why would you be obeying the truth of God's word? Why would you be committed to it? Why would you be devoted to it? There must be something there or you wouldn't. Obedience is key to the strength of our testimony. And then verses 47 and 48, we should deepen our devotion to the Lord. Growing in our faith. Growing deeper as we walk with him. Look at verse 47. And I will delight myself in your commandments. The word delight is used there. Do you delight in the word of God? I mean, it's one thing to say, well, I read the Bible sometimes. But do you delight in it? I think the more we read it, the more we open our minds and hearts to it, the more we will delight in it. It will become something that we look forward to, something that we need because God speaks to us. 
speaks to the deepest part of who we are every time we open its pages because it is the perfect word of God. It's his word to our hearts. And so we need to delight ourselves. Now, I don't think you can just say, okay, I'm going to delight in God's word. No, start being obedient to read it, to meditate on it, to obey it. And the more we do that, the more we will begin to delight in it. Because God will do a great work in our hearts. Verse 48, my hands also I will lift up to your commandments. And so in complete trust, obedience, praise of him, and willingness to take our hands and do the work that he's told us to do. And when we do that, we begin to find our faith growing deeper and stronger. And we'll have a stronger testimony when that happens. And then the word meditate is used again in verse 48. And I will meditate on your statutes. Delight yourself in his word. Surrender to his word. And meditate on his word. Now we've talked about this before. Meditate as used in the scripture is not just some, you know, transcendental kind of uh, otherness. You're not just getting your mind. Uh, you're sitting on the beach in Florida looking at the waves coming in. And it's not that kind of meditation. It is fixing your mind and heart on what does the Bible say a particular verse, a passage of Scripture, giving yourself to what God will say to you as you read it. You might close your eyes and think about it or let God bring something to mind. But it's not rooted in just our feelings. It's rooted in what does the Bible say? Understanding it. Let the Holy Spirit impress upon you. What does this mean how does this apply to my life? How can I live this out in the way that I go about my day? Meditate on his word. I think meditation can be just listening to what God says to you. You know, we talk to God. We encourage one another to pray. And that's important, but it's a conversation, right? Uh, you talk to God, but you, we need to listen to him too. A lot of times we just talk to God, okay, I'm done, amen, and then we go off on our, uh, maybe we need to pause and listen for a few minutes after we talk to God, and that can be meditation, meditating on his word so that God then can speak to us, and then we'll know what we need to do for the day as, as he speaks to our hearts, so a strong and living and vibrant testimony. We can have that as God's people. And it's connected to his word. It's connected to the truth of who he is and what he's done for us. And this psalmist seemed to have a heart for that. He wanted to be able to give the testimonies of God. Of what God had done in for him, for the people of God. What he'll do for others based on the truth of the law the word of god let's do that in our lives living a strong testimony by god's help by his grace 
may it be so in our lives. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your word, and help us as your people to live out the truth of your word. And Lord, help us to see ourselves as witnesses for you, as people with a testimony. And may every day we live, all of our actions as well as our words, may they truly be a strong and living testimony to who you are, to your love and grace and power. Lord, we pray that you'll use us to bless those around us at work, at home, at school, wherever you, wherever you place us. Lord, may we see ourselves as the light that you have brought to that corner of this world. And we know that the light is only because you live in us. You are the light of the world, but you have then made us the light that we might bear witness to you. Forgive us where we have fallen short and help us, Lord, to be willing to confess that to you and to this night to just be willing to say, Lord, use me and help me to be a witness for you. As we have this time of invitation, we pray you'll lead us. And if there are decisions we need to make in these moments, we pray that your will would be done. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.